Hey, Chloe. Hey, Raf. Good to talk with you again. It's really good to talk with you again as well. I want to. Um, well, we're going to. What are we going to talk about today, anyway? Well, so many things that I'm looking forward to talking <laughs> with you about. We've, we've got a list, today, don't we? We've got we've got we've got a huge list. So we've got we've got chats planned for probably the next couple of years. But um, <laughs> what I'd like to talk today about is something that just kind of won't let up um, in the Pilates world. And I know it's not just in the Pilates world, but we're going to talk to it in the Pilates world, is the notion of posture and that there is an ideal posture, that we need to create uh, postural corrections, that posture uh, equates to pain, dysfunction, um, Posture posture makes you a bad person. If you haven't got perfect posture, you're a bad person. (laughs) Why are we so obsessed with posture? Yeah. So, yeah, so we we sat down and made a list of all of the um, beliefs that are super common in the Pilates world that are not in line with actually how the world works according to scientific research. And, boy, it's a long list, isn't it? It's a really long list and – it's really, really, really time. And I've, I've said this to you before, Raph, and I, and I say it to my students too. It's like, okay, so you you do the best you can, you know, until you know better. I, I'm definitely paraphrasing here. But when you know better, you, you do better. And we are beholden to do better. You know, we, are, we, we can't just keep perpetuating uh, belief systems that, that can – ultimately create negative side effects for other human beings. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know? This, this, I think this is something I want to I want to just open the conversation with before we get into talking about posture. Mm-hmm. Um, and which is, you know, I received a few responses from our chat last time, which was um, calling out um, fat shaming and, the illogic of people saying, these particular people saying that you can't proprioceptive mm-hmm. when you're fat because you've got, you can't, your bunny landmarks don't poke out as much. Um, oh. <laughs> and, you know, if you want to know how many ways that's wrong and you're not quite sure, well, maybe you're not even listening to this podcast, but if if you want to know what we think about that, go back and listen to the last episode. But uh, I... I received, you know, one email actually, which was um, very uh, respectful and, you know, uh, but said, hey, look, I don't think you, I think you guys are doing a disservice by calling people assholes and fuckwits. And there was, um, <laughs> there was like star, you know, there was like language warning. There was, there was uh, stars <laughs> and uh, asterisks and stuff, you know, in, uh, she didn't spell it out. Um, uh and that, you know, she said, look, I agree with you that, you know, people shouldn't be called name, you know, people shouldn't be called names or told, you know, that they're bad or whatever. And I agree that that is wrong, but you, you're, you're doing it yourself. You know, you're, you're like shaming people and calling them assholes and fuckwits. And I wrote back to her and I, I said, actually, no, that's not, that's not what, that's not what we're doing here. And what we're doing here is we're talking about fucking stupid ideas, you know, and abhorrent mm. ideas and ideas mm. that deserve to be, you know, that are just plain either untrue or, you know, morally questionable or whatever. 
and we're mm. not attacking people. And we actually specifically said at the end of the podcast last time, hey, mm. if if those people ever, you know, changed their mind and retracted what they said, like we would give them a, a hug and a high five. We're not mm. against them. We're against those stupid ideas and the stupid things they said. And I think stupid ideas and and incorrect in you know factually incorrect information needs to be you know corrected you know but like mm. people go around saying oh you you know if you have bad posture you know you're going to hurt yourself mm. well that does damage that belief does damage mm. Mm, does mm. actual harm to actual people. You know, how does it do damage? Well, it makes them makes people fearful. It makes mm-hmm. people feel ashamed of their body. It makes me feel makes people feel like there's something wrong with them. Mm-hmm. You know? And there there is actual, you know, very clear scientific evidence that those uh, experiences lead people to actual suffering. So it can cause actual physical pain. It can cause people mm-hmm. to become avoidant of moving. It can mm-hmm. cause them to, you know, avoid certain activities, you know, like mm-hmm. it's, it does actual harm. And so, you know, if we, you know, stand by and let people, you know, believe these things when we know them mm. to be untrue, simply because we don't want to ever offend anyone's sensibilities by pointing out the fact that it's a bunch of bullshit, like. Mm-hmm. That- <laughs> I, 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 totally, totally, absolutely. And I think it was, um, I'm sure that I've read a great tweet by Professor, the great Professor Pete O'Sullivan um, that says we have to continuously call out misinformation. We have to call it out. And, and uh, you know, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's all I've got to say about that really. We have is, to call out the nonsense. We've got to call out the nonsense and – you know, there's got to be, there's got to be a time where everyone just moves on. Like, come on, like we've got to move with the times. You know, we're we're here to, you know, better people's lives, not make them worse. Mm. You know, the people that we were anyway. Yeah, yeah. cool. And and yeah. yeah, so um, that's what we're here to do, isn't it? We're here yeah. like because we like science and we like evidence based and we like critical thinking and we mm-hmm. we like changing our mind when we discover that we're wrong. We love cognitive agility, Raph. Um, I think cognitive agility is such a sexy trait in a human and someone that can, you know, go, okay, well, that's different to what I used to think it was. But now that I'm presented with these facts, yeah. I can see that, you know, this is this is what we're doing now and this is what we need to do now. And, you know, when we're thinking about posture and, and you, you flagged this in our last episode, when it was like, look, we'll be the first to put our hands up, but we've got the plumb line out before. Oh yeah, you know we've we've had Kendall's. You know what's what was Kendall's book? The muscles the testing and function with posture and pain, fifth edition, two thousand and five. <laughs> that's that's the one. Ooh, I remember when I got that book and it was so thick, and I was like, oh, it holds all the secrets. You know, let's go, mm. let's let's diagnose everyone. Um, <laughs> let's tell them exactly what's wrong and what we can do to fix because, you know, it's that fixing mentality, isn't it? <sighs> um, which, you know, I guess we could do a whole a whole nother episode on the on, on the, the problems with it with a fixing yeah. mentality. Can you put right? that can you put that on our list? I'll, I'll add it. Yeah, I'll add it. <laughs> I'll add it to the list. 
Um, All right. So, yeah, let's talk yeah. about posture. Let's talk about posture. Yeah. So, posture is so, like mm. such a thing in Pilates, isn't it? It's like, you know, it seems like it's like the – it seems like a core part of everyone's idea of what Pilates is all about to me. It's catnip, isn't it? Catnip for the Pilates. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, yeah. And, and the yeah. the the it it's it seems you know self evident that when you have well you know if you have quote faulty unquote posture you know like some bit of you is too bent or too straight that is because of or causes never quite sure which muscle mm. imbalances quote unquote. Mm which means that some muscles are, quote, too short and others are, quote, too weak or too long. Mm. And then that idea of muscle imbalances, quote, unquote, gee, I'm going to get sick of using the air quotes. You know, <laughs> maybe they'll have to be implicit. Um, yeah, they have to be implicit. idea of the so-called muscle imbalances then somehow causes, quote, dysfunction, whatever that is. Which, whatever that is. Which mm -hmm. then causes... Wear and tear, which then causes pain, bam, an injury, mm. bam. So there mm. you have it. Bad posture equals um, you're going to hurt yourself. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And and look, we just know we know now from evidence and <laughs> research that that's just simply not true. Okay, so we we know that, but how do we? unpack that and so that we start to get the, the broader Pilates stratosphere I accepting that. that. That's what I find really interesting. And so for me, you know, when I think about, when I think back on my journey um, with my understanding of, of posture and function and dysfunction, whatever you want to call it, you know, and I think back to my first teacher training where, you know, it was it was really zoomed in on, was you know, that, postural that assessment. Me teaching you? Correct, Raphael. <laughs> so um, <laughs> we've been on this journey together. Was that in and, like 2010 or something like that? Oh, well, it was about eight years ago. About eight years ago. Um, so, you know, in the grand scheme of things, eight years ago isn't long, is it? No. Really? Like if we think about, in you know, the geological of, time or something, it's very short. Yeah, yeah. And... You know, and, and I remember, you know, zooming in and I remember, you know, going, oh, oh, oh anterior tilt, oh, okay. Yeah. So they've got they've got long abs and they've got, you know, short, short, I don't know, lumbar muscles mm -hmm. and blah, 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 and oh, my God, and that's ultimately, I don't care if you're pain-free now, that's going to lead to pain. Mm -hmm. That's going to lead to back pain. I swear that's come out of my mouth before. Oh, yeah. I'm sure like, that I, has I come, told you like, to say that's come out of my mouth. And then it was the zoom in, okay, well, if this is going to happen to this person, gee, I better help fix mm. these perceived imbalances. And I need to do all of that in a one-hour session with them once a week. Mm. And that then has to have, you know, these long-term <laughs> postural adjustments yeah. to how they hold themselves in life. Yeah. And uh, uh, now, as a critical thinker, I'm like, that is insane. Yeah. I think um – I, I I guess I do want to at this point I do want to put a little asterisk here and 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 I I'm pretty sure I can speak for you as well on this that we're not saying posture is not a thing in life you know like people do have posture and it does 
like it, it's relevant to some things. Like, I mean, if you see your mum walking in the distance or your best friend walking in the distance, you know, like a, half a block away, right? You can probably tell what kind of mood they're in, mm, you know, totally. by their posture amongst totally. other things, right? So posture is like intimately connected to our emotional state, you know? Yeah. Um, so it, it's 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 a real phenomenon, posture, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I, I guess that's that's yeah. just what I wanted to you know put a bookmark in is that like you know posture is a thing, and I think we both agree that it's it's important in some respects. But injury prevention, pain, and physical well being are not really amongst those things. Absolutely. And when I think about the the evolution of posture, and I'm sure I, I can't remember whose blog this was, but it was fantastic and basically delving into history, you know, uh, um, <laughs> posture through the ages is the words I'm looking for. And that it was kind of like it was very much um, an aesthetic construct. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's it's something that's come with class and come with, you know, all, all of those sorts of things. Oh. And um, and, and I totally agree, you know, you can, you can read mood into posture. Um, I remember one day I had a really crappy day and I was apparently my friend saw me from the car and she said, what the hell's going on with you? And I was pretty much walking totally bent over, dejected yeah. up the hill. Like, I think I was maybe eating a cake at the same time, you know, <laughs> one time she's like, Chloe, are you okay? And I'm like, oh, not really, not really okay at the moment. But, um, <laughs> you know, but then like later on I cheered up and guess what? My the posture, posture itself, yeah. again, you know? Yeah. So, so like, we, yeah, so we know, I mean, and we know this. Um, so I guess from, you know, to kind of wheel back to the, the kind of Pilates sort of mm. conception of posture as a kind of a biomechanical phenomenon. Yeah. Um, it really kind of stems from the the fundamental kind of view of the human body as this kind of set of cogs and wheels of like an engineering, yeah. you know, project that if you just, you know, adjust the levers a little bit, you know, it'll work more smoothly. And I think that's a really mm-hmm. great, you know, 19th century mechanical engineering mm-hmm. kind of mental map of how the body works. Um, that was, you know, the was the cutting edge view around the late nineteenth, you know, turn of the twentieth century. But um, mm. yeah, we've kind of moved on since then, and uh, there are different and better metaphors for how the mm. human body works now. Mm. You know, mm. yeah. So the, the the body as a machine, and the, that could break down or could be fixed by you know external intervention or right. yeah. There, um, so. Yeah, I guess what I wanted to, like for me, Raph, and I've spoken to you about this before, like some big light bulb, apart from my evolution in becoming a a critical thinker, um, which is definitely thanks to you, um, you know, you really sparked that that journey for me. And it's kind of like, you know, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Um, It it really is, is kind of how it starts to work. Um, and you kind of go, wow, how did I, you know, used to think that? Um, but I guess for me, some of the things that really also sparked the 
Ah, yeah, moments. So there's some amazing studies and I wouldn't mind us sort of like touching on these these studies, um, you know, so it's, and, and I, you know, a couple that I'm referencing, um, the study where they uh, measured standing posture mm-hmm. and correct me if I'm wrong, Raph, but they couldn't measure the exact same postural stance more than once. Is that right? Yeah, so this was uh, there's there've been a number of number of experiments to you know like to to measure someone's posture and see how replicable that is and mm. um what's been found is that people's posture changes um over the course of the day. Um right. so if you know if if you measure someone's posture in the morning and then again in the afternoon it's it's likely to be different. Right. Um uh and that people's posture changes are in different position so your seated posture and your standing posture etc you know are going to vary and that people's posture varies over the lifespan so as people get older they tend their posture tends to change Uh, you know people tend to have less of a lordosis in their low back their their low back tends to kind of flatten out a little bit um uh just over the lifespan you know Um, so you don't see too many 80 year old women walking around poking their butts out you know, like. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, now that you mention it, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, right. so so so, it, it, yeah. It turns out that posture is more of a a range, you know, like and is activity dependent, time of day dependent, probably mm. mood dependent, mm-hmm. you know, um, fatigue dependent, and also mm-hmm. age dependent. You know, so mm. you know there there are a whole bunch of variables, all none of which have anything to do with biomechanics. That mm. all, you know, mean that posture is not a single entity. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I, okay. And what about the other study? And I'm sure there's more than one study um, that really fascinated me. And, and this will this will loop back into to bony landmarks as well from <laughs> the palpation of bony landmarks. Um, mm. Is is you know the old and you know Raph, oh gosh you know I really had to hone my skills on this the old palpating the yeah. The ASIS and the PSIS, the pointy bit front and back of the, the pelvis, and and you know determining with with hands and eyes how how inaccurate was that? <laughs> um, you know whether someone had an anteriorly tipped or posteriorly tipped pelvis. Mm. So, are, are you able to reference into the study that's shown that that's inaccurate? Yeah. So that was one from uh, I think it was. Priest et al. in 2008, and I, I remember the name of it because it is one of my favourite papers ever. They got a bunch of um, of cadaver um, pelvises, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that people had donated their bodies to science, and they. Um, so, so sorry, just to back up for a sec. This is the notion, you know, this this is like exploring the notion that you can measure posture by, you know, putting your fingers on the pokey outy bits in people's pelvises, um, the ASIS and the PSIS are the, the bony landmarks that you know are often used, uh, and the symphysis pubis is talked about, but don't palpate it, and that you know by by kind of you know eyeballing your fingers and lining up how mm. you know those points, you can kind of go, oh yeah, this point's a bit too high or a bit too low or whatever. Therefore, mm. your pelvis is tilted this way or that way or or whatever. Um, mm. And so what this study did was they got the they got just the pelvis, so no muscles, no ligaments, no tendons, just the bones of the pelvis um, 
and they uh, each half, because the pelvis is in two halves, there's a left and a right hemi pelvis, and they're connected by the, the sacrum and the symphysis pubis at the front. And mm-hmm. so they got each half, and they put in a special jig, which is a really fancy name for a, like a, um, uh, a bracket, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. that they basically bolted this thing into. And, and the reason it was kind of fancy, what was fancy about it was they were able to align the pelvis using uh, quite delicate instruments so that the uh, symphysis pubis was at exactly the same uh, vertical, on the exactly same vertical line as the anterior superior iliac spine. So in other words, the pelv- you know, the pelvis was in a perfect, quote, neutral, um, right. you know, according to the textbook. Um, position. And then, so what they did then was they measured the height of the ASIS relative to the PSIS, relative to the iliac crest, you know, and then relative to the ASS and the other side of the same pelvis and all of that sort of stuff. And what they found was pelvises are variable. You know, people's ASIS height is variable. People's PSIS height is variable, like about a, a centimeter up or down. Yeah, right. Um, and the height of the iliac crest relative to the ASIS is variable, and that the height of the ASIS and the PSIS and the iliac crest are variable from side to side on the same person, as well as between people. So by the time you've got like the ASIS is like plus or minus a centimetre, the PSIS is plus or minus a centimetre, the iliac crest is plus or minus a centimetre, it's like that's a lot of pluses and minuses that... So by the and then by the time so so their conclusion was something along the lines of basically you can't measure pelvic tilt because if you're measuring and 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 even if you're X-raying and looking at the height of these you know bony landmarks they weren't even talking about the accuracy of people's finger kind of measurements or anything they were right. just saying the actual bony landmarks are not symmetrical right you know right, people right, right. don't have symmetrical pelvises they're they're pretty symmetrical, you know, as in there's a left and a right ASIS, but they're not perfectly symmetrical. You know, people have different, like we all have asymmetries in our body, you know, almost all of us has something like, you know, I've got my one ear, my left ear is a bit bigger than my right ear. You know, most of you, when you go and like get your shoes, one foot's a bit bigger than the other foot, right? Mm. You know, like- I'm that person. Right. (laughs) It's really annoying. (laughs) And, and we, really hard. we all have like asymmetries in our face as well. You know, like our yeah. eyes are a little bit asymmetrical or whatever, you know, whatever. Nose is a bit crooked, whatever it might be. And and if you look at people sing, you know, I, I watched this a lot since I'd learned it in a singing lesson one time, that most people sing out one side or the other side of their mouth. Most people don't sing straight ahead. Um, and so if you watch people ah. sing um, in video clips and stuff, what you'll see now, now that you're think about it, you won't be able to unsee it. You'll see people sing out one side of their mouth. <laughs> um, yeah, so I won't be able to unsee that now. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're totally asymmetrical. Like our internal organs are asymmetrical. You know, we have a yeah. liver on one side of the body that's like a one and a half kilo organ, you know. Mm. Um, we've got a pancreas and a stomach on the other side that we don't, you know, like you've, your heart is not in the center of your torso. It's a bit off to the left. So your lungs are not symmetrical. You know, like there is just so much, uh, there's, almost nothing about the inside of your torso that is symmetrical, you know, like it's, mm. you're totally, you know, the, the human body is not symmetrical. So um, why would it, you know, why would it, why would we expect the pelvis to be any different? Mm, isn't that fascinating? And I guess <laughs> is what science is saying there is that human beings are unique. Yeah. <laughs> wow. There you go. Um, 
so that that's awesome. So, okay. So why are we hanging on to it? Huh. What you know? What do you think? Like what what's what's going on? Because I mean, you know, that's some pretty clear evidence to say that you you can't determine a you know a perfect posture. Um, and I, and I and I hopefully for those that are out there they're listening. If you've ever tried to change your own posture, you're gonna know how tough that is. Yeah. Like to change it on a on a on a ongoing. You know, obviously you can you know you can stand in front of the mirror and you can move it around and hold it for a moment and then hold it in another shape for another moment, etc. But ultimately, we all kind of go back. You know, you see, like I see a lot of myself. You know, um, on film now now that we're teaching online and whatnot. And, you know, I've got the go, I look the same <laughs> all the time. You know, I've got the go-to way that I end up standing and moving and, you know, it's I've got my unique Chloe posture, yeah, and sure that changes dependent on my mood, but there is a similarity to it most times. Mm. So we, you know, all of this seems very obvious. So why does it still exist? Like, and I keep seeing, you know, Pilates curriculums come up, obviously not ours, but I keep seeing curriculums come up that still have this. They have postural assessments, you know, as part of the syllabus. There's the, you know, why are we doing this? What benefit are we hoping our clients get out of that? You know, what are we hoping to achieve and why won't we let it go? That that to me is quite fascinating. Yeah. What well, do you think, Rob? Well, I think, I think, Part of it is because actually it it is kind of plausible, you know. Like if you if you're thinking of yeah. you know in terms of sort of mechanical engineering, and you're thinking mm-hmm. about you know muscles pulling on bones in different directions, and you think, okay, well, why mm-hmm. is that person's bone in a different position to the other person's bone? Mm-hmm. Well, it kind mm-hmm. of it makes sense, right? It doesn't kind of make sense. It makes sense that okay, well, if this muscle is pulling harder and that muscle is pulling less hard, that would kind of pull the joint in a different direction, you know. So so it is intuitively kind of like graspable, I think, you know, it's so a by nice, like tighten this bit up and loosen this bit up. Yeah. Yeah. Even it, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it like, it, it's, a, it, it makes sense. You know, you can get it, you know, like, right. you know, and, and the alternative that, you know, saying like, well, posture is this kind of multi, multifactorial biopsychosocial construct, you know, mm. that's not as meaty, you know, you can't go, yeah, that makes sense. I get it. You know, mm. <laughs> whereas if you say, "Oh, this muscle is too tight," therefore that you know, yeah. that kind of makes a lot more sense, I think. So I think that it's and and it's and it's not illogical, you know, like the notion that you know we've got muscles and they pull on bones. Like, well, that's well understood. You know, muscles mm. do pull on bones, and so if the bones are in a different position, it does make sense to think, "Oh, well, maybe that's because the muscles are pulling, you know, harder mm. or less hard." You know, so that kind of makes sense until you read the science and find out that, ah, well, you know, there's a lot of research uh, that looks at uh, the association between muscle strength and, and length and posture. And what they find is there's a very poor association. So, you know, so there are heaps of gymnasts who've got a lordotic posture, right? And just mm. unfreaking believable abdominal strength, you know, mm. and, 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 unbelievable hip mobility, mm. you know, don't mm. have a tight hip flexor anywhere in sight, you know, mm. but, but yet we don't think about that. And, but, but when you do think about it, you're like, oh, hold on, that person can do like a 210 degree split. They can do like, you know, 400 <laughs> sit-ups in a minute, <laughs> yeah. you know, 
So, you know, what part of so like true. weak abs and tight hip flexors kind of fits with that, but we don't really think about it. It's like, like we kind of have a bit of a blind spot, but when you think about it, it's like, oh yeah, it doesn't make sense. So, wow. yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I think it does. I think that's it. I think it's plausible. And I think um, right. people don't, uh, I think most people, you know, almost everyone doesn't have access to the to reading the science and has isn't aware of the science on it, and they just mm. know what they get presented in their course. And the people teaching the course, I would say, because I was one of them, you know, ninety nine percent of the time don't question it either and just take it as as a truth because they were taught it when they were a kid. Mm. And and it's really up. It's I think it's beholden on. Uh, people writing courses to keep them up to date. I think that that's yeah. ultimately where the responsibility lies. And I think all of us as professionals, once we kind mm. of emerge out of the nest, you know, it is it, it we do bear some degree of responsibility for for questioning and updating our beliefs. You know, because mm. um, what you learned twenty years ago is probably out of date now, regardless of which profession you're in. Correct. So, yeah, so I, I, you know, I think it's a bit of all of the above, maybe. Mm. What do you think? Mm. Yeah, I like how you presented that. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And, and perhaps it does, you know, you say, you know, it can, can feel quite, quite logical and perhaps feels like something that uh, a Pilates teacher can kind of, you know, it's like a tool, isn't it? We're thinking about tools. It's like a, you know, well, I can, I, I can look at you and I can fix that and that and, you know, you're going to feel great and you're going to be stronger and all of that. Um, and I guess then that for me loops into the narrative again of, well, what can giving someone a, a postural analysis cause them? Well, it can also cause them to feel really shit. Yeah. about themselves and about their body. I mean, I've had Pilates teachers be like, hey, Chloe, oh, what, what's going on with that shoulder? Like, yeah, mm. one of my shoulders sits higher than the other. Mm. Oh, are you human? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, because like, all humans have that. One of my, one of my legs is, is, is a centimetre shorter than the other. Yeah, just but, like just like most humans. Know? Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and when I'm in a, a plank, my the insides of my elbow they kind of they kind of swivel around a little oh freaky yeah. um you know so like when that stuff's pointed out as something that i need to correct mm-hmm. how does that ultimately feed into and i guess that loops back into the discussion we had last week about body image mm-hmm. and also we spoke about nocebo yeah it's no so i it's no it's no and and me telling my client that their anteriorly tipped pelvis, um, which we have just spoken about, cannot be accurately determined. Um, and, by and we a didn't. And we didn't even go into like we didn't even go into any of the literature of which there's quite a bit showing that actually it's basically impossible to reliably palpate those bony landmarks. Like if you get twenty trained physiotherapists and say, "Okay, tell me exactly, exactly. where the PSI is," they'll all go, "Yeah, I've got it," and they'll all have a different spot. You know, so exactly. Exactly. However, I can then do all that and then impart on my client this fear that they've got this impending doom yeah. of back pain coming their way yeah. due to their anteriorly tipped pelvis and their weak abdominals. Yeah. And and like I have, you know, I've been that person. And I just, I really want to get out there to everyone who's feeling really, you know, a bit uncomfortable about these discussions and these topics that it's also really okay to feel 
uncomfortable mm. and a bit like when you're presented with something that you held as your worldview, mm. okay? And, you know, we know the cognitive dissonance, backfire effect, all of these psychological phenomenons when human beings are presented with things that, that challenge their, their construct of the world. Um, and it also, you know, coupling with that, um, make collateral income, mm. you know, all of these things. Um, yeah, but we've got to do better. Like we just do. We can't go out there telling people that, you know, <laughs> they're out of whack posturally and whatnot and that no. that's going to have, you know, we just, we, uh, we, we just, we can't, we actually can't do that. Like we need to stop. Yeah. And, you know, like there are, there are, it's it's hard to stop though when you're like you say when you've like you've maybe you've got a whole kind of clientele and a whole business and a whole professional kind of identity built around mm. you know your skill and knowledge in this area you know and you and I were very skilled at doing posture assessments you know and writing programs right, to people to, to to correct their <laughs> posture you know. Um, well, it turns yeah. out actually, and that's a whole other branch of research that we look at, you know, because all of these assumptions, like we said at the start, you know, that such and such, you know, like that posture causes muscle imbalances or muscle imbalances cause posture and muscle imbalances cause, wear, you know, dysfunction, whatever that is, and dysfunction causes mm -hmm. wear and tear and wear and tear causes injury and pain. It's like there's this whole kind of causal chain mm -hmm. of assumptions and almost every single link in that chain has proven to be untrue. You know, mm. like, so you can't, well, number one, you can't even measure posture because people's posture changes, bony landmarks are in different places. And by the way, you can't even find the bony landmarks. Even if you're a 20 year experienced physiotherapist and you think you can find them, you're not on the right mm -hmm. spot. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and then, then we actually look at research where, uh, you know, muscle balance, you know, does it relate to posture? And the answer is, yeah, not particularly. Um, and, you know, abdominal strength, hip flexor, tightness, low back strength, whatever it might be. Um, and then mm -hmm. we look at, okay, well, if we take a bunch of women who are kyphotic, you know, hunched forward, and we strengthen the living daylights out of their back muscles for a year, you know, does that change their posture? And the answer is, no, not really. Now they're just hunched forward with super strong back muscles, you know. Mm. Um, and when you think about it, like, just think about, like, if you really think about it logically, like, you know, I said before, it's really plausible, and it is until you look closely. So think about it. When you are standing or sitting relaxed, right, you can comfortably breathe into your belly, right, which yeah. means your abdominals are relaxed, right? Yeah. Your abdominals are working at something like 2% of their maximum <laughs> contraction, you know, some ridiculously small amount when you're just, you know, sitting or standing. And mm -hmm. it's the same with your back muscles, right? So if you've got this like, you know, weak abdominals it's like well hello they're working at two percent of their maximum <laughs> you know so if they're like half the strength they should be all you have to do is crank them up to four percent and the bad yeah, right. job done right but yeah so when you think about it logically it just doesn't make sense because the muscles are so you know so l activated at such a low level in normal mm. tasks that's like the strength of the muscle doesn't even come into it. It's not a factor. And muscles being short, it's like, well, you if your low back muscles are short, right? And that kind of makes your bum poke out. All right, well, how do you bend over and put your socks on in the morning? Mm. You know, like mm. <laughs> so if mm. you can if you can put your socks on, <laughs> that's because your back bend 
right? So Ooh. your muscles are long enough to bend. So why aren't they long enough to stand straight? You know, like that doesn't make sense. So again, it's like almost every link in that chain is, is, you know, is, is, is untrue when we, when we examine it either just under, you know, a bit of a logical critical thinking lens or, or under through the lens of scientific research. Hmm. Okay. So challenging, so challenging my bias a little bit then, and which is important that, you know, always challenge, challenge our bias. When can posture cause pain or when, you know, when can we correlate? Or are we able to correlate posture and pain? Yeah, well, there is. In the yeah, there's not no correlation between posture and pain. There is some correlation mm. with posture and pain. Um, and so there was a big systematic review uh, and meta analysis. I think it was about 2017, 2018, um, mm-hmm. uh, that looked at the relationship between torso, posture, and pain. And what they found was there was a there was no relationship between lordotic posture and pain. Um, but there was a, uh, I think it was small to moderate association between uh, a reduced lordosis, you know, so like a flat back posture and pain, right. you know, so when you kind of tuck under your pelvis a bit, essentially. Um, mm-hmm. And so that found an association between those two things. And so then the question is, well, you know, does flat back posture cause low back pain or does low back pain cause flat back uh... posture? You know? What or, came first? Or does something else cause them both, you know? Yeah. Um, and, well, that study doesn't give us the answer to that question, you know, because it all it did was looked at an association. But what we find right. is from different studies that when we do interventions that aim to change people's posture, one, we can't really change their posture. <laughs> Two, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> those interventions don't, Funny that. don't alleviate back pain any more or less than any other intervention that involves people doing exercise or moving their bodies. You know, so if you get all those people with flat back posture and you give them special postural exercises to quote, correct, unquote, their flat back posture, they'll feel a bit better at the end of those exercises. But if you give them the exact opposite exercises, in other words, exercises to quote, make their posture worse, unquote, um, they will also feel better the exact exact same amount, you know, so, (laughs) so yeah, yeah, so there's something about exercising that helps, but doesn't seem to really matter what sort of exercise you do. You don't even have to exercise the body part that is feeling pain. Yeah. So there is an association. And we also know a lot of other things about people with low back pain in relation to kind of posture and movement, like people with low back pain move more stiffly. You know, they move more slowly that when they bend forwards, they bend, they bend their back less and they bend more at the hip. You know, they do more of a hip hinge. So if you ever watch someone who's got acute low back pain moving, like imagine kind of Mm. walking slowly, then they go to bend, they put their hand on their thigh and brace and then they kind of hinge at the hip like a perfect Stuart mm. McGill robot and, mm-hmm. you know, to pick up a handkerchief <laughs> off the floor or something. You know, yeah. like the handkerchief is a 150-kilo barbell. Um, yeah, they, they move like a plank. They move yeah, like, yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. They're, 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 they're a walking plank. Right. So, you know, with that person, I mean, and the last thing we'd be wanting to do is focus on a perfect posture with them. We'd be wanting to help them learn to slump and right. whatnot. Because when you're in pain, you tend to be you, you brace protectively. You know, you guard. It's normal if you've mm. got a sore shoulder, a sore knee, a sore yeah, what you, so you guard that yeah. body part. Um, mm. It's it's a completely instinctive behaviour. It's not done consciously, um, mm. and and that makes you more stiff. You know, so you co-contract mm. on the, mus- the muscles on both sides of the joints. That's what guarding is. Um, mm. And so you move more stiffly, you move more slowly, you're more rigid, you, you have less range of motion, all of those things. So 
you know, and so when we actually look at people who have back pain, they sit up straighter than people who don't have back pain. You know, uh-huh. they, have, they have, quote, better, unquote, posture than people who don't, because people who don't have back pain don't even think about how they sit. You know, they just sit, you know. You just sit. I mean, I, it's funny every now and then because we're talking about posture and sitting posture, I look down to see how I'm, I'm sitting and, I gosh, all sorts of fun, slumpy, slumpy shapes and kind of wiggling and moving around, mm. you know, yeah. and, and, and changing it up. And is it is it O'Sullivan or Mosley that says, your your best posture is your next posture. Yeah, it was one or both of them, I think. They're one or both. Yeah. They're both brilliant. Yeah. Um, and I, I couldn't agree with that more. I mean, human beings are, are designed to move, to wiggle, to, you know, that's, that's what keeps us, yeah, yeah. happy. But this, this, this notion of perfect posture, it's a myth. It is a myth. It is a myth. And, and it's, it's something that, like, makes sense in the world of dance, which is where a lot of plays came from. You know, and that, that brings era. in the aesthetic yeah. because they've really got it. You know, they they need to cut a certain shape and right. form. Right. You know that that is that's the that's the art, isn't it? Like right. that is what the the aesthetic of the art. Right. Um. Mm. Um. But doesn't really make you know it doesn't it doesn't carry over doesn't transfer into the world of uh, health and well being or you know pain relief or injury prevention. No. So, and Joseph Pilates um, talks quite a bit about in, um, wasn't it in, your, in his book, Your Health? He actually thought that everyone's spine should be perfectly straight. Yeah, like with a baby. No yeah. Natu- like a baby with no natural curves whatsoever. And that he, I think he quotes something like 95% of the population are defective because they've yeah. got curves in yeah. their spine. Yeah. So, you know, like if we are really holding on to posture as a thing because of Pilates, and it being synonymous with Pilates, well, you're kind of cherry picking yeah. which bit of that you want to you yeah. want to hold on to, right? Yeah. So, um, and that, guys, that's just that's not science, okay? Mm. That's not science. That's not Pilates evidence. got a lot of things right, but that wasn't one of them. That wasn't the, that wasn't one of them. But he did get yeah. There's lots of stuff I that I love the, the scrubbing also, brush. Also, yeah, he also had not the, one yeah, of them. The scrubbing brush about <laughs> tuberculosis or whatever the, it was. Yeah. The, the communal scrubbing brush. If you haven't yeah. read uh, if you haven't read Caged Lion yet by John Howard Steele, it's um, you got to got to yeah, read it. He actually communal... talks about that in uh, in your health. Um, I can't don't know if you recall, but basically he says you know you need to brush your skin to to. to about the brush. Yeah, for um, and I. I I think I haven't read it for a while because it's kind of ridiculous. It's so but, wacky. It's so wacky. But he, yeah, he talks about like um, letting your skin breathe, and you have to slough off the old the old skin. With that's why I use a firm brush or something. Yeah. So um, uh, look, that, I'm all yeah. for a good exfoliation, but I think he took it a bit far when he marched on into the communal, you know, into the bathroom and scrubbed the client. Yeah. Um, it's, it's going a bit far. Um, I actually remember the first time I read Your Health, thinking. Oh, this is yeah. what I've dedicated my life to. <laughs> um, and so I think, what do you think, Russ? Yeah, well, I think I just want to say that we can, you know, we can look back and laugh at, you know, Joseph's quaint ideas in your health. It was written in 1936 oh, or something, you know, like. Massive props. Yeah. The guy was still way ahead of his time. Yeah. And, and in regard, like I'm not disparaging him whatsoever, except for the communal scrubbing brush. Yeah. I am. He got, was well, gross. I think, you but, know. He got some things. He got some things wrong, and he got a lot of things right. You know, but doesn't yeah. mean that we have to unquestioningly accept every utterance from his mouth as being, you know, gospel truth. You know, exactly. Um, yeah, he was well ahead of his time with motor learning, and that motor learning will be, and how to enhance it, and how to enhance fearless movement, will be a topic for another one of our 
our chats. Yeah. Well, uh, I've enjoyed this. I hope you have too. I love talking to you, Raph, always. And this is a topic that, like all the topics that I'm very passionate about and with the end goal that this is not about shaming anyone or making them feel bad for what they've done, you know, in the past with teaching or what they might be doing now, but it is about us helping elevate the industry, us helping elevate health literacy. Mm. That's really, really important. And I do believe we are beholden to do that. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, we've just got to, like, because yeah. what's the harm, right? Like, so if 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 I come to you, you know, for a sore back, and and we spend our time addressing my posture, well, what's the harm in that? Well, the harm is number one, it it's 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 a waste of my money, and, right? So yeah. you're taking my money for something that actually doesn't isn't a real phenomenon. Um, yeah. And and the second thing is like we it's an opportunity cost. Like we could be doing more high value care. You know, we could be doing things that actually do work. Oh, you like know? just general movement. Like yeah, like general movement and oh, and get it, get it, getting me stronger and getting me to have less fear around right. my body improving, and around movement. Improving self-efficacy. You know, you could talk to me about how I've been sleeping and maybe help mm-hmm. me get come up with some strategies how I could improve my sleep if that's an issue for me. Mm-hmm. We could talk about mm-hmm. stress management. You mm-hmm. know, we could talk about my training load. Have I have I suddenly increased? You know, how many how much training I'm doing is that maybe that's mm-hmm. why my back's getting sore. Like there are so many factors that are relevant mm-hmm. and could make a significant difference mm. that if we spend our time doing posture analysis and trying to strengthen this muscle and stretch the other muscle to in quote, correct it, actually we, mm-hmm. we lose the opportunity to do things that are in fact high value care. Mm. So yeah. It's more oh, important. Well, well said Raph. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, talk fantastic. to you next time. Look forward to it. Bye. After two exercise science degrees and over a decade and a half of reading research daily, I've condensed all the current science on rehab into a program called the Clinical Exercise Specialist Rehabilitation. Inside the program, I'll teach you to do three things. One, deeply understand how the body works. Two, confidently and expertly rehab literally any client. And three, get results for your clients. So ultimately, your clients tell their friends and you become known as the go-to expert in your area. This program is completely unlike any education you've done before, even if you've studied with us before, because of the way we've built the learning design. It's an online, flexible, skill-based learning program, which means You keep doing the skills under supervision until you're good at them. It's more of a mentorship model than a traditional course model. So rather than rushing through the content and having sort of one go at everything, you actually just practice live and we give you feedback and guidance and we dialogue and explore concepts together until you're highly skilled and confident. We just keep working the material until you get it. It's not rushed at all. It's not about ticking off the content. It's about engaging, practicing and applying it until you own it. This is a life-changing program, not some weekend certification. I've put my heart and soul into building this, and I can't wait to share it with you and help you discover your genius for anatomy and rehab. 
Now, because of the highly interactive nature of this program, we're only taking on 12 students worldwide. The program starts on March the 1st, and the first 12 qualified people to apply will be allowed to enroll. So if you're interested in learning more, click the link in the show notes and download the course guide or go to breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification menu in our link in the top menu. That's breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification link in the top menu.